Welcome to Foundation Fridays. This is an offshoot of Reverse Reset Restore, where we drop extra information on you on the last Friday of the month. This is the place where we talk about the books that are reshaping thoughts and belief systems, teaching us and guiding us into a deeper knowing of ourselves. Think of it as the book club for the soul. I'm your host, Sally, and I'm creating whole new worlds for myself, one page at a time. Hello and welcome to our very first Foundation Friday. In our usual episodes, I often mention quotes and people and stories that have really helped shape my personal healing journey. So I decided to share these awakenings or insights or concepts learned as foundational lessons. A lot of the books I'll cover in these monthly episodes will be ones that we've touched on in Reverse Reset Restore. But in these episodes, we dive deeper into one book or teacher or situation that's left an indelible impression. The plan is to turn these bonus episodes into a type of collective book club where you can participate and share the books that have brought meaning and change into your life. Maybe we'll even have some of the authors eventually participate as well. Wouldn't that be cool? I already have a few on my wish list. For these first few monthly episodes though, I'll get us started with my own thoughts and experiences from books that have impacted me profoundly. Each of these Foundation Friday episodes are both part book review and part life lessons. Where I can, I will link you to free copies or resources. Many of them, especially the older ones I'll be talking about, can be found for free on places like YouTube or on websites like Project Gutenberg, where you can read this week's book for free. The link is in the show notes for you if you want a digital copy at no cost. Sometimes I'll add a link where you can purchase your copy if, like me, you prefer the tactileness of an actual book in your hands. In those cases, I might get a small percentage from the website if you use that link. If you do purchase from that site, just know that you're supporting me in a small way, which I'm so grateful for. And you're also helping others by enabling me to continue to create content like this and let it loose in the world which is so cool that together we can change the world in small and meaningful ways. This week's book is James Allen's As a Man Thinketh. Now, don't be fooled by the size of this book. It's small, it's slim, it's only 25 pages, and it packs quite a few punches that got this girl thinking. There are eight chapters in all, most are only two pages long. It's a book that can easily be read in one sitting, depending on how many times you might have to stop to reflect on what you've just read, or highlight, underline, or make notes in the margins like I tend to do. Most of my books have been, well, somewhat defaced and well-loved. Let's get into it. As a Man Thinketh was published back in 1902, so it's fair to say it's been around a while. And while the language in the book may seem old-fashioned nowadays, its message is timeless. Personally, One of the most captivating aspects of As a Man Thinketh is Alan's use of eloquent language and poetic prose. I am a sucker for prose. His writing style effortlessly engages readers and compels you to deeply reflect on your thought patterns and their impact on your life. 
Each chapter is filled with nuggets of wisdom offering practical advice on how to elevate your thinking to achieve the life you desire. It's a book that delves into the profound impact of our thoughts and mindset on our lives. It's full of wonderful and wise words that, as a person who is actively changing their thinking patterns, finds just too good to ignore. Like this gem on thought and character, man is made or unmade by himself. In the armory of thought, he forges the weapons by which he destroys himself. He also fashions the tools with which he builds for himself heavenly mansions of joy and strength and peace. In the armory of thought, he forges the weapons by which he destroys himself. My God, not only is it so beautifully written and descriptive, it is on point in its accuracy. When we turn a thought into thinking, we sometimes allow those negative thoughts to become weapons. Then we usually turn those weapons on ourselves. And then we wonder why our life is a mess. Why are we so wounded? Why are we at war all the time? How many of us really stop to consider that the weapons fashioned against us are so often those we have ourselves made? The truth is, we spend a lot of time looking to blame external sources. Our parents, our partner, our workplace, our gender, our time and place of birth. We all know people who spend their lives laying blame, pointing fingers at everyone and everything else. If only I'd been born in that country, I would have succeeded. If my parents had been more loving, I wouldn't have made such bad decisions in my own love life. And that is one way to live, I guess. But it's living a lie or a life half-lived. Ultimately, a very sad way to go through your life. Always looking to blame, refusing to take any responsibility for the state of your life. Being swirled around by the winds of circumstance. No autonomy, no authority in how your life plays out. Except, of course, while you are busy ranting and raging and fish-shaking at God and everyone else for everything that goes wrong in your life, you're allowing yourself to be ruled by weapons forged by you in your own thinking. This book asks you to see that what you think is what you create in your life. You want a better life? It starts by thinking differently. Turn those weapons into tools to build mansions of joy and strength and peace and your whole life will change. As a Man Thinketh serves as a biographical window into the author's own life. James became known as one of Britain's most forward thinkers, philosopher and writer. But how did he get there? James was born into a working class family in Leicester, England on November 28, 1864. James's parents, William and Mary Ann, were instrumental in shaping his worldview and values. Although limited information is available about their specific beliefs, it is believed that they held spiritual and philosophical perspectives that had a lasting impact on James Allen's thoughts and writings. His parents' influence, coupled with his personal interests and a strong desire for self-improvement, led Alan on a path of exploring various spiritual and philosophical teachings. Like so many of us, James faced numerous hardships and setbacks in his early years. He and his family suffered. Suffering is certainly not anything new. In fact, 
one might argue it is part of the human condition. To live is to suffer. Look at some of the most famous works of art or novels or testimonies of people who have changed the world, and you'll often find that they have suffering in common. Vincent van Gogh and Frida Kahlo, two of my most favorite of artists, endured much pain and suffering, and yet they created such incredible, beautiful art that was inspired or defiant in the face of their pain. James Allen suffered as a young person, and instead of letting these things be the excuse or catalyst for unhelpful behaviours, he found a way through the pain, painting with words, just as much as Vincent and Frida or others have done with brush. In 1879, when James was just 15, his father William, who had been a factory worker until the work began to dry up, had left to chase the American dream, where he hoped, as so many did, to change the family's fortunes. Unfortunately for the Allen family, their American dream was never to be realised. It turned into the American nightmare. Tragically, just two days after arriving in NYC, William was robbed and murdered. His death set his eldest son James's life on a different trajectory. Economic disaster was now almost a certainty. Marianne was illiterate, and James had to leave school to find work to support his mother and younger brother. I do think it was probably this most tragic of circumstances that was likely a catalyst in the way James began to view life and how we can take responsibility for the things within our own control, our thoughts. As he says in chapter 2, a man cannot directly choose his circumstances, but he can choose his thoughts, and so indirectly shape his circumstances. It would have been easy for James to harbour bitterness, hatred and resentment for his father's murder. He might even have wanted revenge. We know revenge movies are popular in our society, or Avengers, driven by a need to right a wrong. And I get it. If someone was to hurt a hair on one of my nephew's or niece's head, you better hope there was an ocean between us. But deep down, revenge or avenging doesn't really solve the problem the pain of our circumstances. Only forgiveness really can do that. And that is usually not the answer we want to hear, is it? Forgiveness is sacrificing our vengeance, our justified resentments, and it's a really tough ask. We don't know much about how James and his family coped with the loss of William. I'm not even sure William's murderer was ever found or if earthly justice was met. But I do know that James must have chosen his thoughts within these terrible circumstances to become ones of hope and grace and change for the better. In spite of the loss of his father, the pressures to support his family when still very much a child, and even the challenging circumstances he faced as an adult, James managed to transform his life through the power of positive thinking and self-reflection. His personal experiences serve as a testament to the effectiveness of the principles he presents in this book, giving them an added level of authenticity and credibility. So, let's take a look at how this tiny volume is a powerhouse of deep insights and thought-provoking wisdom. It's like the TARDIS, bigger on the inside. Alan passionately argues that the key to personal growth, success and happiness lies in our ability to harness the power 
of our thoughts. At the crux of this book is the idea that we are the master and maker of our life. Our thoughts create the life we lead and it's our own personal responsibility to change the trajectory of our lives if we can master the thoughts we think. As masters of our own destinies, our thoughts shape our character, actions and ultimately determine our circumstances. Through a series of concise yet profound meditations, Alan explores the connection between our thoughts and the outcomes we experience in life. He emphasizes that by taking control of our thoughts and cultivating a positive and virtuous mindset, we can bring about positive changes in all aspects of our lives, whether it's relationships, our health, financial success, and our overall well-being. In the chapter, Effective Thought on Health and the Body, Alan discusses how our thoughts impact our physical body. He writes, Change of diet will not help a man who will not change his thoughts. While Alan uses the word diet here, I see it as interchangeable for a lot of the circumstances in our lives we might want to change, whether that is our diet, our weight, how we look, our jobs, the types of relationships we find ourselves continually in, etc. Like many of you, I know I've spent years trying different diets and not getting the results I longed for or that were promised, even when I stuck with them 100%. The diet industry has probably got to be one of the biggest scams on the planet. The reason diets inevitably fail is because we haven't done the internal work. You could eat nothing but salad all day long for a year, and yeah, you might lose weight, but you won't maintain that weight loss, or as I prefer, weight reduction, if you haven't worked on changing the way you think about yourself and adopting habits that support those new beliefs. If you still think of yourself as fat or bad or hefty or a hippo, or whatever other negative associations you can conjure up in your head about your body, then you haven't shifted the most important weight of all, the stuff weighing you down in your mind. And few diets take a holistic approach about looking at your thoughts. They want you to track macros and calories and inches and numbers on the scale. Very few ask you to track your thoughts. James adds a little further on in the chapter, if you would protect your body guard your mind. If you would renew your body, beautify your mind. Thoughts of malice, envy, disappointment, despondency, rob the body of its health and grace. I really want you to hear this. It's important. You know the saying, you are what you eat? Well, we are what we think. If you think you can't do something, then you'll be right. If you think something is too hard, too difficult, too much effort, then you won't put in the effort to see the changes. To be the change we want to see in the world means we have to change. There's no other way around it. Sometimes change can happen in an instant. I have seen people instantly healed. I have known people who decided that they were going to stop smoking and from that moment on just never smoked again. Sometimes change can be that spontaneous, but a lot of the time, change is going to take some time. And it may even hurt. We just have got to have the courage and tenacity to ride through it. If you're just starting out on a journey of mastering your thoughts, I want you to try something. 
maybe not today or tomorrow, but over the next few weeks, I want you to take a stroll around your neighborhood. Notice the gardens. Some might be heavily manicured, everything in its place. Others may have the bare minimal upkeep. And maybe one or two have just been completely left to their own devices. No matter the state of the gardens you observe, notice that all of them are thriving in their own way. The overgrown, abandoned garden is just as prolific in growth as the meticulous garden. James encourages us to use the visual example of a garden and apply it to the same way thoughts are cultivated. As James put it, man's mind may be likened to a garden, which may be intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild. But whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth. If no useful seeds are put into it, then abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind. Just as a gardener cultivates his plot, keeping it free from weeds and growing the flowers and fruits which he requires, so may a man tend the garden of his mind, weeding out all the wrong, useless and impure thoughts and cultivating toward perfection the flowers and fruits of right, useful and pure thoughts. By pursuing this process, a man sooner or later discovers that he is the master gardener of his soul, the director of his life. If you are diligent in your thoughts, weeding out the negative content and planting only good seeds, you will grow a garden that not only benefits you, but that others can also enjoy. But if you only plant seeds of doubt or let the thick weeds grow like a stranglehold in your mind, then your garden, your thoughts and your life, will reflect that growth too. As a manager, I've been mindful of the power of this analogy. I usually gift my team members with a plant, something manageable and hardy. It's my way of providing a physical representation of what I hope they will do under my care, grow. But this gift also requires effort on their part too, to keep it alive, or at least attempt to. Tending a garden or a plant can really serve as a visual cue for how our thoughts are living, breathing things that we can and do nurture for good or bad. This book is considered a masterpiece that stands the test of time. It's not a casual read or a self-help book with quick fixes. Rather, it is a profound exploration of the human mind and its unlimited potential. As a man thinketh, challenges readers to take responsibility for their thoughts and to consciously shape their inner world in order to manifest their desired reality. Although James Allen's life was relatively brief, he passed away on January 24, 1912, at the age of 47. His writings have left a lasting legacy, and his ideas continue to provide guidance for those who seek to harness the power of their thoughts to create positive change in their lives. If you want change and you are ready for it, as a man thinketh is an essential read for anyone seeking personal growth, empowerment, and a deeper understanding of the power of thought. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Foundation Friday. I hope you enjoyed hearing about James Allen and how his lived experiences shaped his journey to become one of England's leading forward thinkers of his time. If you are keen to be part of the Foundation Friday book club, please join the Facebook group. I've added the link for the group to the show notes. 
There you'll be able to vote for upcoming Foundation Friday books, have discussions about what books have reset the foundations in your life, find links to resources, and if you're happy for me to share your comments in upcoming episodes, there'll be space for that too. In our next Foundation Friday episode, we'll be discussing the book The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scoville Shin, a metaphysical writer and New Thought spiritual teacher who was teaching this stuff more than a century ago. That'll be coming up at the end of September. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast so you get to be among the first to hear everything that's coming out. To end today's episode, I'm going to obviously finish with a quote from the man himself. A man's weakness and strength, purity and impurity, are his own and not another man's. They are brought about by himself and not by another. And they can only be altered by himself, never by another. His condition is also his own and not another man's. His suffering and his happiness are evolved from within. As he thinks, so he is. As he continues to think, so he remains.